Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Jesse Hunt. As we move into a time of prayer, we'll do congregational prayer, and then we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer and the offering. So I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are worthy. As we have sung, but so often, God, our hearts are distracted, and we forget what you have done and who you are. And so, Lord, as we reflect on what you've done in our lives, we do understand that you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of all fame. You are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our love. You are worthy of our devotion, of our worship. Most of all, God, you are worthy of your glory. For the whole world to know who it is that has made this world, who it is that has saved us, You're worthy to be glorified in this whole world because you've revealed to us who you are. And we ask that you would take our hearts here, that you would prepare us to hear your word. As Jesse comes to preach, God, may your word transform us. May it deeply go inside of us and change us so that we are different than when we came. God, we ask that you would transform our lives, that you would give us hope where there is none, that you would give us life where we have not life, where we're hurting. God, that you would transform our our families so that there would be peace and joy and others would see your light. That you would transform our marriages, that you would restore relationships that are in tension, that are broken. God, that you would transform our units so that your light would be in very dark places. God, that you would transform all of this for your glory. Lord, that you would make us into your church, you would make us into your disciples who believe in you and would walk and follow after you. Lord, that you would transform all of Fort Bragg through this chapel. And so, Lord, we do pray for those who are deployed. We pray for those who are sick and hurting, that you would be their comfort, you would be their healing, you would be their strength. And as we give this offering to you, God, It would be dedicated to build your kingdom, that you would use it to glorify your name. And Lord, that we would pray as you've taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, if it's not you, then this is a waste of time. God, if you don't change us, then we are hopeless. So, Father, we give this time to you, knowing that you have already been here preparing us for it. So make yourself known. In your name we pray. Amen. How many signs has God shown you? How many times has God done something to remind you that he loves you, that he's got a plan for you, and that where you find yourself is not a surprise to him. My family and I could talk all day long about how God has been faithful to romance us time 
after time after time that this is where he has led us, that this is his purpose for our lives. Starting back as a youth minister that was weighing 264 pounds, I was a lot to love. Down in Gaffney, South Carolina, that had never thought I would do anything for two miles long, let alone four miles, not even to mention a 10-mile ruck march. God showed us sign after sign that this is where he wanted us. And he guided us step after step as he helped us make changes. You see, I quickly learned the Army is really good at paperwork. He guided us through my SF-86, you know, that st stack of paper that's that tall. He guided us by preparing our families as we told them that this is what we thought God was leading us to. He guided me through every physical and every med pro, I mean, uh, the med ops, the initial medical entry. He guided us into basic training, and he even delivered me out of it. And I remember that at Chaplain's basic training, I was walking across that stage, and I was graduating, and I felt the best I have ever felt. Because in just 12 weeks, in 12 weeks, I had never had a more potent example of feeling like a completely different person. You see, I was doing something that I would have never chosen myself, and I was doing something that I could have never done on my own. It was all God's doing. Needless to say, as my ASU was bright and shiny with no ribbons on it at all, I walked across that stage and I felt that I had mastered this thing called chaplaincy. I was ready. Bring whatever was to be brought. I was ready. And then I went to Fort Drum, New York. I left Fort Jackson on a Friday, and I believe we reported to Clark Hall on that Tuesday. And I remember in week one, I discovered that we would be in the field quite a lot because we were getting ready to deploy. It's not enough to deploy. It's no, you're going to be in the field getting ready to deploy. I also learned in that first week that the soul of my unit was sick. It was sick with many soldiers that have, were going through suicidal ideations and domestic issues at home. And then the soul was sick of this unit because there was tribalism. Tribalism meaning my little soldiers against the other soldiers, even though we're on the same team. The S1 does not get along with the S3. Not even to mention how the battalion did not get along with the brigade. That doesn't happen at all, does it? No. I faced many issues that I didn't see coming. You see, I anticipated deploying, but I did not anticipate spending so much time just back in the woods where I couldn't see my family because I was getting ready to deploy. I expected ministry, but I did not expect how much time I would spend behind a keyboard typing in reports and PowerPoint slides about doing ministry. I also anticipated the counselings that I would do, but I did not know I would do so many. So many soldiers with so many deep issues and so many family members. There were, it seems like it was time after time that I was overwhelmed by things I did not anticipate. That was week one. Needless to say, all of that good feeling of, I've got this mastered, froze to death and died somewhere on Po Valley Road, Fort Drum, New York. And it was right there, 
It was right at that moment that all of those signs that God had delivered me through up to and out of basic training didn't seem to matter as much. You see, I knew that God had delivered me, but if I was going to continue on this path, they would take me no further. I had to decide if I was just going to accept the signs at face value or if I was going to move deeper into the truth and the purpose that lies behind those signs, the deeper truth and the deeper purpose. Nobody at Fort Drum cared that I had been through the gas chamber. Nobody cared that I had gone through an APFT, one. Nobody cared that I had been in the field. That is now normal life. And if I'm going to continue on this path, I have to find the deeper truth, the deeper purpose behind all of those signs. Friends, that is exactly where we find ourselves in our text this morning. For the past seven weeks, we've read sign after sign through the Gospel of John that Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I am showing you this sign so that you know the deeper truth and the deeper reality of who I am. We have seen him walk on water. We have seen him cure, uh, heal the blind, cure those who are lame. We see him multiply the loaves and the fish. And last week, Chaplain Grotti preached and we talked about that he has even risen the dead. All of these signs are complete. Now, Jesus has fully demonstrated in the Gospel of John, this is who I am. You see, that's what a sign is. It says, hey, look here, this is the truth that we are pointing to, and everything that you need to know to believe in Christ has now been demonstrated. Signs point to who he is, and now, in our text today, we transition. We hit that point where we have to decide if we believe them, because now we go from signs everybody sees, look how good this is, to now what's called God's glory. From signs into glory. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 12. We'll be reading verses 23 through 36. John chapter 12, starting at verse 23. Our scripture begins, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this is for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the Prince of Peace 
uh, the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. This is the, this is the decision point. This is the shift. From this point on, Jesus shifts into showing more and more of who he is, his identity through his deeds, through his death, through his resurrection. And this shift also affects the disciples. Don't lose this. The signs were given for everyone to see. Everyone who's just walking down the road, calling out, everyone can see what Jesus is doing because they point to a deeper truth about their function. But now that the signs are given, Jesus is talking about what it means to connect those to God's glory. You see, it's not just coming for free breakfast when Jesus makes the bread and the fish. There's something deeper going on. In the midst of this struggle, God's glory might involve we can heal the sick. We can help the lame to walk again. We can help the blind to see. But God's glory also means pain. God's glory also means suffering. God's glory also means struggling. And the disciples are getting ready to learn a lot about that. That decision point is our problem in the text this morning. You see, everyone struggles to see past those signs. Just like Chaplain Wilson mentioned a few weeks ago when we're talking about the lunacy of standing out front of a Krispy Kreme and seeing that beautiful, round, red, buzzing neon sign saying hot and fresh and not connecting that sign with the sugar-coated, warm heart attack waiting for you inside Krispy Kreme. That's crazy. And that is the struggle. And that's the struggle for the disciples. Yes, they had decided. They had decided, friends, to follow Jesus. They had decided that they believed everything that Jesus had said. But now they are faced with the difficulty of what that choice means. As Jesus starts talking about losing yourself, becoming a servant, and upcoming persecution. Why is this a problem for them? And why is this a problem for us? Brothers and sisters, it's because of our sin. It is because of our sin that makes it so easy for me to see exactly what I want. So easy for me to see exactly what I desire. We call it, that's just our natural way of doing life. It is so easy to see what I want and to see what I desire, but so, so hard to see what God is doing, sometimes right in front of us. You see two examples of this in our scripture. Remember, the first one is Jesus, some of his first words when he comes. This is, uh, if you read through chapter 12, you see it's the triumphal entry. Jesus comes in and everybody's waving palm branches, and then we go straight to right here. Jesus is God's truth revealed to us. We know that. And right in the front of the crowd, what does Jesus cry out for? God, may your name be glorified. And God, just as clearly as you are hearing my voice, says to Jesus, it, it will be. Uh, and it will be again. It has been. And it will be again. 
What an amazing thing to hear audibly the voice of God right in front of you. But because of their sin, do they hear it? No. They hear, oh, that must have been thunder. Or maybe the ones that, you know, romanticize that kind of thing. They're like, oh, yeah, that was sweet. That was an angel. We just heard an angel. It was the voice of God. And they cannot hear it because of their sin. Secondly, we see that Jesus is very clear about his purpose. Jesus is not hiding it anymore. It's almost as if he's saying, pay attention to me as I stomp my foot. You can't hear that. When the Son of Man is lifted up, stomp, stomp, stomp. When you're in the Roman world at that time and you're saying, I'm going to be persecuted and lifted up, friends, that's the cross. Everybody knows this. Stomping my foot when I am lifted up. And what do they hear? They do not hear what Jesus is saying because their sin has so blinded them to what God is doing right in their midst that they miss the truth and purpose of Jesus Christ. In fact, they even start trying to define the role of the Messiah to the Messiah. If my BC were to walk in, I'm not going to tell him how to do his job. But yet that's what they're doing to Jesus because of their sin. Because of their sin. Do you see how deeply this blindness runs? They are blind to the truth and to the purpose of the Messiah that's right in front of them, and they cannot connect the glory with the signs. They cannot make that connection. And this is why Jesus is telling them that you have to become children of light. You have to become children of light, whose eyes see and whose ears perceive what God is doing in your midst. We're not like that at all, are we? Everything God does, I get it. I never mess up. Family, I think we are all in this same boat. We often miss out. I often miss out on God's glory around me and what God is doing because of my sin. I'm blinded by my wants. I'm blinded by my expectations and what I want and assume Jesus to be. This is an issue that we all face. So if Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, you should become children of light, that is your goal, then how do we do it? How do we, a sinful people, become children of light? This morning there are three things we see in our text. First, we must decide. Second, we got to die. And third, we must trust and walk in the light of Christ. So first, we got to decide. Just like the little ones we're getting ready to see baptized, we must decide that we believe what we have seen, the signs that God has shown us, the things that we have read in the Bibles, uh, our Bibles, the things that we have witnessed here in our lives as we've gone through this journey. We must decide if we're going to believe them and connect them to the deeper truth and purpose of Christ. Believe it or don't, it's up to you. But that's the first step. Everyone must decide. Believe it or don't, it's you. It's up to you. First, we must decide. Second, we must die. I like the way Paul says it in Colossians 3, 5. He says, put to, wow, that was awesome. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he adds in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen and holy people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility and gentleness and patience. Put to death. His vision is just ripping it off of you, throwing it aside. Put it to death. And then clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves as a servant of Christ. And this is exactly what Jesus did. We see it very clearly in this text. In verse 24 and 25, it read, Very truly I tell you. So again, remember with me, he has just walked in through the triumphal entry. These are the first words that Jesus says, and this is what we have. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. It produces, uh, if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves his life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, Jesus says, my hour has come. And then that hour is going to look like a seed that falls to the ground and dies to bring about a harvest. And then with no space in between, he says, oh yeah, and those that follow me, yeah, you're going to be just like this. Because if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, you'll keep it. If you serve me, you must follow me. If we are to be children of light, we must decide that we believe it. If we are to be children of light, we must decide that we will kill ourselves, that we will let our soul and let our, our soul, let our sin die and put on just as clothing, the clothing of being a servant of Christ. And make that the first thought in our minds. And then the third thing is that we must walk and trust in the light. Verse 35 and 36 read, Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Again, Jesus demonstrates this. He shows us that he is fully aware of what is getting ready to happen to him. We see uh, when others, uh, in this chapter, when Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil, others say, what is she doing? And he says, this is for my burial. When Jesus comes in the triumphal entry, his first words are, oh, my hour, the, God's hour of glory has come. And what does that mean? I'm going to die just like a seed that hits the ground. And then when he's talking about himself as being the light, how does he speak of that? I am soon leaving. He knows exactly what God is getting ready to do through him. And all of that, by the way, is just in chapter 12. This does not catch Jesus by surprise. He does not falter and he does not fail. He is 100% committed to the path that God has put him on. Why is that? Why is that? I believe it's because he knows without fail that he, uh, he trusts and believes that God has him exactly where he needs him. God is doing with his life exactly what God's will wants. And the disciples, sure, they don't get it now. They don't understand what God is doing. They're going to struggle in this next week. But eventually they go on, and they, once they receive the Holy Spirit, they become 12 people who change the world. 
Why is that? How is that possible? Because they too, just as Christ now understands, God is fully in control of this and I can walk this path and trust that he is going to have his will done. That is what the disciples quickly learn. Great chaplain, but how? Why? What does this mean for me this morning? Brothers and sisters, I hope you have decided. I hope that you have decided to believe what the scriptures say and connect the signs, whether they're in the scripture or in your own life, connect them with the deeper truth and purpose. God has brought you here right now for a purpose. Not just to be here for the donuts and the pastries and all that good stuff. You're here for a purpose. Then after that, we must begin by dying to ourselves and finding our new lives as servants of Christ. Dying to ourselves and finding our new lives as servants of Christ. And as we work on being a servant of Christ, we must also continuously trust and walk in the light. For a Christian, walking in the light is the source by which we understand everything else. In the military community, it's like an SOP or a tax op. Those documents tell me that no matter what goes on, there's a document that says, okay, chaplain, this is how you react in this, in the, in this encounter, in this engagement, in this country, under these circumstances. This is how you will function in the United States Army. Friends, that is a small taste of what it is for us as Christians to walk in the light. The light of Christ is not bound by just a nation or by a specific time, place, or any circumstance. It is how we understand everything, by walking in the light of Christ. And that sounds great. Sounds great. But it doesn't take long of God shining the light on our lives to start to reveal some pretty uh, ugly stuff. Let's just call it what it is. You see, there are things in my life, and there are probably things in your life, and maybe even in this very room and on this post and outside of the gates, that when exposed by the light of Christ, might have us wondering how in the world could God use this to bring glory to his name. Just like soldiers, when you're out in the field, and you might accidentally shine them in the eyes with your headlamp. What do we want to do? The first thing, you want to cover your eyes and turn away. There are many times that when we look at the world around us and see it for what it is, we may want to do the same thing, to try to turn away or to deny it. I also imagine that everyone in here can think about times that God is doing something in your life that you don't want him to. God, I didn't want that deployment. I didn't want that PCS or ETS. I didn't want those consequences. I didn't want to lose that relationship. I didn't want to know that about my spouse. I didn't want to know that about my children. I didn't want to know that about my soldiers or my leadership. Seeing things through the light of Christ can be difficult. That is why Jesus also adds not just walking in the light, but walking and trusting in the light. Because trusting in the light means that we must keep pushing on in all of God's glory, despite the times that things seem a little ugly or maybe even look terrible. Don't miss this. 
the disciples are going to lose everything they had hoped for in Christ in about five days from this passage. Three years of miracles and signs and teachings and traveling and giving up everything and fully believing in Jesus seemingly washed away in seven days. This is hard. Please go with me back to Fort Drum, week number two. It seemed like all the signs from basic that didn't matter uh, didn't matter anymore because times were hard and I could not. I could not understand what God was doing in bringing me to this unit, to this time, and to this place. Basic was easy compared to this. Can I just do another? No, I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go back to basic. But the disciples are saying the same thing. The miracles back in Nazareth, the things that happened in the Galilee, the things, the walking on water, yeah, that was kind of tough, but it is nothing compared to what they are getting ready to experience and have to learn the hard way in this next week. That's where we must keep going. Family, that is where we must keep going. Despite all that we know or all that we don't, all that we think we understand and all that we have no idea that we don't understand it yet. To be children of light is to keep pushing on in God's glory, pushing on for God's light to be revealed in our lives no matter how painful it is, and to trust in that light, that it is worth, even though it hurts, it is worth God's light to be exposed in my life. In the weeks to come, we're going to see Jesus leading the way into what it means to walk with him as a servant, to walk in God's life, and to trust in God's light. So the question for you this morning is, will you believe in the deeper purpose and the deeper truth behind all that God has shown you up till today? Will you believe that there is a deeper purpose and deeper truth in your life? We have four children this morning. Four children that show that it is pretty easy to accept these signs for what they are. Before we start writing them all away, before we start explaining them, and all of these things, before the weight of the world and the worries of life overtake us, these four children have, uh, have expressed to me that God is doing something in their life. They have even humbled me as I've heard simple professions of faith. Because, you know, I've been to seminary. I can say a couple words in Greek. But all they know is that Jesus is their Lord and he has saved them. Amen. Amen. But this baptism is not the end of their faith journey, is it? It wasn't the end of mine, and it was not the end or will not be the end of yours. Because there are hard days ahead, and they are going to start, and we have started learning about how difficult it is to put ourselves to death and to be raised in the light of life of Christ. And also think about all of the experiences that we are still going to have, you and I, the good times and the hard times, the days that maybe we just don't want to go through. Maybe we want to just turn our eyes and try to pretend it's not happening. That is when we must press on in our belief. That is when we must press on in our trust as we continue to be children of light. As our praise team comes forward 
I encourage you to prayerfully consider. Prayerfully consider, first, do you believe in the deeper truth and the deeper purpose that is in your life? Have you decided to die to self and live as a servant of Christ? And are you letting your belief in Christ and your service to him shine in your life and direct your path as you trust and obey him? That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.